everyone. My name is Justin Waring. I'm an investment strategist with the Chief Investment Office. I'm here today with Matthew Carter, a strategist based out of London, and Sarah Solomon, who's a senior strategist for the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Service. Thank you, Sarah and Matthew, for joining. Glad to be here. So we wanted to talk today and just have a brief conversation about how business owners figure out the best path for their business, whether it is exiting the business or making a succession plan for the next generation. And this is a series of podcasts where we're in, we're investigating the different aspects of this challenging decision. Um, so let me just get started with you, Sarah. Um, you're on the front lines for a lot of family meetings and discussions. Um, how do business owners get started to figure out the best path for their particular business and their particular family? Thanks, Justin. I'm glad to be here. And just by way of background, let me me share first what it is that the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services team does. The mission of our group is to serve as a thought partner to exceptional families. And many of these families are thinking about the future as it relates to their business. We understand that families' needs extend beyond purely financial. And so we're taking a strategic and sustainable approach to managing wealth for continuity. Now, with regard to your specific question about business owners figuring out the best path for their business, I think the real starting point is thinking about the word best and recognizing that there's more than one way to do things. And so what are the variables and the outcomes that you're seeking to maximize? The other important starting point, in my opinion, is recognizing that transition or exits or succession are more than a one-time event. These are an ongoing process that takes place on multiple levels. So that requires attention by family members and their advisors to think about the business and finances, of course, but also to think about ownership structures and their interplay with family and family members and the collective growth and strength of the family. And so the best path, in my opinion, needs to include both technical and personal elements. Technical elements being issues and opportunities that the current business-owning generation or people are thinking about what are each person's and, and management's role and skills and goals and possibilities? There are other technical elements, tax planning, legal structures, estate planning, cash flow needs, um, you know, sale prospects, et cetera. But the aspect of planning that my group thinks most about is the consideration about what does like life look like after the business? So making sure that people think about and talk about what life like is after, planning for that potential void. In, in summary, we have to define what best means to us to consider our options. That's a really great framework, Sarah. And it, it reminds me a lot about the way that, that we in, in the Chief Investment Office uh, talk about EBS Wealthway, which is our framework for aligning a family's goals with their financial resources and helping them find harmony between those two aspects so that they're able to achieve the goals that they, they lay out for themselves and find the right investment strategies for each phase of their life. And so you're right. I mean, the first and most important thing to consider is what is the actual destination look like, but 
the path is just as important in a lot of ways because it isn't a linear or a one-time event. So that's a really good opportunity for us to bring in Matthew as well. Matthew, you obviously have done a lot of thinking about the aspects of finding the right path to exiting and finding the right way to sell your business or transition it to the next generation. So could you tell us a little bit about how you think about finding the right path for a given family's business? Yeah, thanks to you both. I mean, a lot of the things that you both said sort of really resonate with me. And I think the Sarah's point in particular about this process not being static and it being dynamic. I, the phrase I love to use is that is the business succession or exit is is less a photograph and it's more a, a movie or a film. Um, and you've got to have a process really that is ongoing and continuous and reflects the fact that your family dynamics and circumstances can evolve and change over time and you want your discussions, your plan and your execution to change too. But I, I think a couple of points I'd also add as well is that it's, it's critical to understand those, those key internal stakeholders, whether that's family, whether that's non-family senior managers in your firm or prospective outside buyers. But I think that it's also critical to look at some of those external factors. We talked a little bit about these in a recent CIO publication, a four-point checklist for um, business succession and exit. CIO has uh, recently looked at business succession and exit in a series of papers, including a Talk, Plan, Do, a Guide to Business Succession and Exit, and a four-point checklist for your business succession and exit. And a couple of points in there that I think are particularly relevant are knowing whether your business is under threat from disruption or structural change. And clearly, COVID and the COVID pandemic has been an, an accelerant in some instances to, to changes that we expected to take years to come to fruition have, have arrived in months. And I think that sometimes changes like that can potentially spur business owners and entrepreneurs like many of you listening to thinking, do I actually want to reconsider? Um, is, my, is my business able to adapt for the future? Am I prepared to invest for a new operating model or, or, or new geographical markets? Or is now the time to pass the, um, pass, the, pass the reins on to somebody else or to find an external buyer? And I think that another point that's critical as well um, is the fact that different paths, whether that's family uh, succession, selling privately, going public, or even liquidating, can often depend as well on where your company is in its corporate life cycle. Clearly, more established companies may be more strategic fits for a private trade buyer or even private equity or even going public. But firms that are perhaps younger in that sort of growth journey can still really benefit from thinking about succession. I think one of the key points that I'd, I'd want to sort of conclude with is that there's perhaps a, perce a perception that succession or exit planning is just for the more mature or established entrepreneur. But as we show in our research, sometimes the decisions that you make at incorporation, the legal structures you choose, your your initial steps in terms of your business journey, it might not seem so at the time, but they can have major implications later down the track in terms of which doors are available to you if you want to pass your business on or exit and, for example, become a serial entrepreneur. So I think that a key point we would say as well is succession planning, thinking about business succession and exit is something for entrepreneurs of all ages and all stripes to to 
to make time to consider. That's a really good point, is that if you're prepared for these discussions ahead of time, it becomes a lot easier um, to build the business model around that objective. But sometimes it's it, there's some conflict in these discussions and, and these decisions. So uh, I want to pass it back to Sarah. When it comes to finding the best approach, and again, best is a loaded term, what happens if family members or key stakeholders disagree on which approach to take? I'm glad you asked because we have to remember that disagreements are part of life and they can certainly be part of business life. The first key to managing family business transitions is recognizing that as closely connected as they are, the family as a family and the business as a business have different goals. The family system is usually focused on emotional dynamics, family members' personal needs, and in general, the stability of the family. Different than that, a business system is focused on performance and demands and innovation. And so there is an inherent difference in priorities for those two systems. Now, the tendency for the majority of families is to either avoid conflict altogether or postpone dilemmas and hard decisions for as long as possible. Another common tendency is to accommodate each other in order to maintain friendly familial relations. So knowing this, having a more open mindset around conflict, that conflict can be navigated with a healthy, open attitude, allowing us to recognize differences and then make important distinctions rather than being all about the differences or antagonizing. This is where our group comes into play often with business-owning families that are thinking about a transition because a good facilitator can help these conversations be more neutral for everyone, starting with defining the problem with all key players so that we have a common definition about what we're working toward, and then we can talk about what our options might be to move forward or to find a resolution. Thank you, Sarah. That's a really important point, and that's a, a role that our financial advisors can play as well, acting as a mediator and facilitating these discussions, starting the conversation and finding ways to manage conflict. Because as you said, there is some inherent conflict between the goals of the business and the family. We can't avoid it entirely. We can manage it, but we can't avoid it, like many risks and frustrations in the in the world of finances. So, um, Matthew, I know that you, you often think about this um, from a perspective of viewing the family as sort of a business model. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, Sarah's covered many of the points, but I mean, briefly, there were, there were a whole bunch of different models that have been developed over the past few decades that would say that in the context of a family business or family wealth, it's very important to, to look at the different roles that family members may play. Um, some may be business owners and they have equity or an ownership stake, but they're not necessarily involved in the day-to-day -day operation of the business. There's a second group that, that may be the operators. They're the, they're the managers. They have a lot of sweat equity in the business, a lot of practical experience, but they may or may not have sort of an economic stake 
an ownership stake in the business. And then there can be other groups too that are very important family members and may be responsible for managing, for example, um, philanthropy or a real estate portfolio or pure financial assets. But they're potentially one sort of step removed from the business. And I think that the key thing is to potentially build a, a stylized model that reflects your family and your, your business and your total wealth. And I think have open discussions about where your interests as different members of these groups could be aligned, but where conflicts can arise. And I think that in many instances, if you identify conflicts well ahead of time, have a, a codified way to sort of deal with conflict, a set of rules, um, a, 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 more, a more formal document to deal with disputes, even potentially set, set budgets. So setting a budget for retained money in the business for um, investment, for example, if you're passing down to the next generation, and a certain budget that, for example, could be used to meet retirement goals. Um, doing things like that, I think, can sort of help to ease some of the tensions. And again, Justin is our resident expert, expert on Wealthway. I think that that idea of having these, these goals in mind um, setting sort of clear boundaries between these goals and maybe setting budget or allocations aside has many, many parallels with, with the UBS Wealthway approach. Thank you, Matthew. And then Sarah, I mean, obviously, when we're trying to think about how to measure the success of a succession or an exit plan, we have some of these similar conversations around measuring the impact of philanthropy as well. Um, how can we learn and apply the lessons from measuring impact in philanthropy to assessing success when it comes to business succession and exit planning? I think there's a lot we can apply. And one of the lessons that is most relevant is that with philanthropy and with transitions, it's not just about outputs. It's about measuring outcomes. So in the nonprofit world, outputs are the programs, training, workshops, and the outcomes are knowledge transferred and behaviors changed. To be a little bit more clear about this, um, if you cared about literacy, for example, in your philanthropic work, if you were measuring outputs, you might be measuring the number of books that you could give to your local library. Whereas if you're measuring outcomes, you are thinking about how has literacy improved in the zip code that that library served. And same thing with business transition. We have to think more broadly about what are the outcomes that we're striving for with the various stakeholders, be it the family members, the managers, the employees, Etc. I think that's a really great lesson to learn from that philosophy and thought process that goes into philanthropy. And I would I would also apply that through the Wealthway framework to say when it comes to business succession and exit planning, we're often thinking about inheritance at the same time. And this idea of outcomes versus output is an excellent uh, corollary for when we think about the legacy strategy, which are the assets that 
you are going to be able to leave to future generations of your family. Rather than thinking about how do I maximize the dollar amount that I can leave to the next generation, I think a lot of families are thinking about how can I make the best positive impact on the next generation? Warren Buffett famously says, you know, I want to leave my children enough so that they can do anything that they want, but they that they don't have so much that they can do nothing. For a lot of family members, this finding the right time and amount of financial assistance to leave the next generation is something that's incorporated into a lot of these business exit plans, especially when it comes to, you know, distributing the the, the proceeds from a from a business sale. You're spreading the shares of the uh, of the ongoing business across family members as well. This has been a really, really good conversation. I do want to just cap it off with just going back through what's the next step that investors can take and how can families get started with this process. So I'll start with you, Sarah. In my opinion, the best place to start is by having conversations within your family, having the courage to begin those conversations, remembering Matthew's analogy earlier that it's less like a photograph and more like a movie or a film. And we have a number of tools that UBS Financial Advisors can share with you to help prompt these conversations. One is called the Purposeful Dialogue. That's about values and your picture of the future. We also have two new toolkits about family conversations and money talks, how to have conversations around money and wealth that could potentially inform some of your decisions or at least inform the options that you think are viable for you and your family. Thank you. Matthew, anything to add there? I think Sarah's hit the main point. It's about having that open communication. I think particularly across the generations as well, anything that you can do in a family business to to maximize harmony and value and minimize tension across generations with two-way conversations is ideal. I think that, to Sarah's point, rallying around what draws you together as a family rather than what, what sort of sets you apart and having a common family focus can really help. Um, having a shared meaning of, of, of what equality versus fairness means for you, and we'll talk about that more in, in one of the next uh, podcast episodes is critical. And I guess as well, it's about looking at your broader wealth holistically as your, your business, your financial assets, your family wealth as well, your, those human relationships, the human capital, and your philanthropy. So, yeah, look at everything in the round rather than just seeing, say, a business asset and that succession or exit as the standalone, the standalone asset. Thank you so much, Matthew Carter and Sarah Solomon, for joining us for this discussion. I'll just close by saying that, yeah, it really does boil down to outcomes, not output. Uh, I love that phrase, Sarah. I'm going to steal that a dozen times from now on. But, you know, have a conversation with your financial advisor to discuss how to begin this conversation with your family. What are the right tools to create the two-way dialogue? Every family is going to be different. And so it's important that there's a plan in place to create transparency across generations because asymmetric information is often a source of conflict in these discussions. And so best to have these conversations early and remember that this is a process. This isn't just a one-off. So thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you, Matthew. And uh, have a great day, everyone. Timeframes may vary. Strategies are subject to individual client goals, objectives, and suitability. This approach is not a promise or guarantee that wealth or any financial results can or will be achieved. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct 
differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.